Talk, talk to me. WSRadio.com Welcome to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Well, hello and welcome. And yes, we are Computer and Technology Radio. I am Mark Cohen. She is Marsha Collier. We have some great news stories for you today, all kinds of tech. And welcome and thank you for joining us. How are you, Marsha? Hi, Mark. How are you? How is everybody doing today? I hope it's been a good week. It was an exciting week. There's a lot of news out there. and We have a lot of news in the show this week. We had a little less rain in L.A. uh, I think we had one day or so of rain. Yeah. And so that's calmed down a little bit. Yeah, my uh, so, roofer was out. <laughs> great, a lot of a lot of roofers were out this last uh, uh, two months. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, because it never rained. You've heard that song. It never rains in Southern California. Yeah, right. Well, so we never know if our roofs have leaks. But with all this rain we've had, all of a sudden everybody knows that they have roof leaks. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So let's start out with a. Uh, Interesting story. AT&T had a widespread outage that everybody thought was some kind of cyber attack. Well, don't they, you love the way everybody throws on their tinfoil hats at the first yeah, drop of a, anything? I know. Exactly. <laughs> and apparently, according to AT&T, it was a what they're calling an incorrect process while they were ex- <laughs> doing a software upgrade to their network. Well, wow, that so, hasn't happened to you or me or anybody listening. An right. incorrect process when you're putting in new software. Mm, yeah, That exactly. definitely usually calls for tech support, but uh guess it happens to AT&T too. <laughs> well, exactly. The government's looking into this, by the way, to see what actually happened. Um, apparently, they have not yet explained what, quote, incorrect process was. Uh, but apparently people using Verizon and T-Mobile reported their service was also interrupted. Well, you know um, why? I I heard about that because I was on Twitter that morning. It didn't um, really make a lot of sense because they're well, completely the different networks. They were calling AT&T users. Yeah. I don't so know. If, I don't know why they were calling either. an AT&T user, you couldn't get through because the network was down. Yeah. I mean, some people said that they thought it was the sun emitting solar flares. Well, we did have a solar flare. (laughs) And the, except the uh, National Oceanic and as as atmospheric, rather, administration and OAA said, probably not. (laughs) You know, uh, that's probably not what happened to it. Uh, So apparently the FCC is looking into it to find out what happened with it. They've been in touch with AT&T and I guess more to come. And just a little tip for if this happens to you, be sure your phone is set to call over Wi-Fi. Yes. Because that is, if you're hooked to a Wi-Fi network, it will switch to the Wi-Fi network and put your call through, maybe. (laughs) Well, I will tell you that I have terrible cell service in my area. We're up in the, not exactly mountains, but we're up high, and our cell service has just got awful here. But the Wi-Fi service is fantastic. So it works pretty flawlessly under Wi-Fi. I have a very fast Wi-Fi connection. And so at least yay to that. We're all worried. For those of us who kept our landlines, Marsha's one, I'm one, and I know a lot of people that have, you know, AT&T is trying to eliminate landlines, which we both agree is a terrible, terrible idea. And, and if, if in your area, AT&T, I know here in California, AT&T is having uh, public meetings yes. about this. And I would look to your local AT&T website or Google it 
and see if they're holding public meetings near you because there will be one in March that's online. There'll be yeah. several. And it's your opportunity to say why you think why you think you want to be sure to reach your grandma at any time. Right. <laughs> I mean yeah, or those I'm, of us I keep mine for security system. It's so, very important to have that. Because and, anybody I read an article last week if you have a Wi-Fi security system, um, the bad boys have dis- have found a tool, which used to be thousands of dollars, but you can get it now as cheap as under $50. Mm-hmm. And they can walk by your house and basically zap out your Wi-Fi. Yeah. So there goes your security system. So, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's very difficult, and hopefully that won't happen, but I suspect at some point it will. I remember years ago when I had a DSL line before I was able to get this fast internet, and I was talking to the AT&T guy, and he said, hey, yeah, you know, we're eliminating DSL lines because we're eliminating landlines and blah, blah. And now that was probably four or five years ago before right. the pandemic, and then that slowed their whole progress down because they didn't dare knock out landlines during the pandemic. But and th- about- there are those in rural areas who still yeah. can't get a cellular signal. So Absolutely. It, yeah, doing away with do? it. Yeah. Well, you know, in yeah. their orders from the FTC, it says that they need to provide the last line of communication, right. which is a landline. Yeah. So. Well, we'll see. Speak. Speak out. Let let the FTC know. Definitely. Uh, speaking of the FTC, apparently oh. recently they banned anti virus provider Avast, which was a, a long-time free software. A lot of people used Avast. Well, apparently, guess what? They were selling their users browsing data. Well, they let me fun. tell you, I used Avast yeah, for I the longest too. time. I used, I never used the free version because, as I've said for decades, since I've been in tech, there's nothing that's free. No. The free version Okay, you use it once if you need to use it once. Right. And then you delete it off your computer because nothing is free. So, I mean, what? They find them $16.5 million, which frankly isn't much. No, it really isn't much. (laughs) And I mean, to you and I, it's a lot. But to the companies that are doing billions in business, it's not a big deal. Uh, And apparently they were secretly harvesting user browsing data and selling it, of course, to third-party companies. So, but there did have there was a thing, and uh, PC Mag was able to get a screenshot of the free version. Right. If you went into your privacy settings, that's probably why they weren't fined as much as they should have been. Yeah. Uh, there was a place that you could check to allow user data to be shared with third parties for analysis of product performance and usage which isn't what they were using it for, but just don't check that one. Just, yeah. just be sure when you put a new program on, check for privacy. So the, the real question is, and, you know, it is getting easier, although some, some companies are still playing the game where they give you a 30-page privacy notice and don't tell you how to opt out or go to a website or sign in. But many of them now have right on the website, do, you know, do not sell my data, you click on it. How much do you believe that they're still not selling your data? Well, what upsets me even more is there are a lot of websites that have that, and then you click it and you can't find it. You're taken to a page that scrolls and scrolls and scrolls with thousands of words, and there's nothing to click. Correct. And it just 
I just back out of those websites. You know, there's nothing on the internet that isn't repeated. <laughs> well, yes, and that's true. And I, that often does happen to me. And I'll go to a, I'll, or, you know, somebody will, you'll go to a news story. It happens a lot on Google News where you go to a story and then you're not subscribing to the Washington Post. So you can't read the story without subscribing. But if you type in the same information as Marsha just said, you'll find it someplace else. Exactly. It, it, but the deal was, and this is an, uh, subsidiary of a vast jump shot. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's the same company. It's a subsidiary. Right. Was selling browsing data. This is the browsing data. What websites you went to from 2014 to January 2020 Mm -hmm. to more than 100 customers of, of data. Right. That's two more. So basically, the FTC found the antivirus provider was selling more than eight petabytes, which is 8,000 terabytes of browsing data dating back to 2014. And it's funny because, well, I was going (laughs) to say that uh, here's petabytes again. I think we've said that word twice in the last 12 years. And I think it was the week before last we talked about petabytes. Well, now we know that a petabyte is a thousand terabytes. Correct. Mark that down next to your computer. There'll be a quiz. <laughs> yeah. The computer and technology radio <laughs> quiz to get your certification to be a listener. Oh, and by the way, uh, if you ever want to tell somebody about our show, uh, tech radio is also in our title, and that may be easier to remember, or just right. put in one of our names. And speaking of which, I want to apologize for last week's show. I had a microphone. Uh, problem during the show and it sounded terrible and i'm really sorry but you know stuff happens technology happens (laughs) yeah exactly uh so anyway anyway, jump shot earned tens of millions in gross revenue by selling user data from avast avast yeah and and that's one contract was a company uh, with omnicom and they were valued at two Two million dollars a year. Just that's how much they made. Yeah. So there is no free on the internet. Please remember. <laughs> now this is—it's kind of funny because uh, in the article it says Avast has decided to comply with the FTC oh, order. Like they had a choice. Yeah, good of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Reach a settlement to resolve its investigation <laughs> um, and voluntarily close. Uh, I guess this stuff down. Uh, we are committed to our mission of protecting and empowering people's digital lives. While we disagree, <laughs> wait, there's more. While we disagree with the FT, FTC's allegation and characteristics of the facts, we are pleased to resolve this matter and look forward to continuing our millions of customers. Hey, wow. you know what? You had to do it. That Don't sounds like something your ex would say during a divorce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I'm going to comply. I mean, because it's the right um, thing to do. No, because right. the judge told you what you had to do. So, so yeah. you you kick off the next story, which I, I think is great because uh, we did land on the moon. And then I'm going to do the tinfoil hat and an explanation of something that happened during the flight. So you go first, Mark. Okay. So uh, we are talking about uh, – Is this, I love the internet because sometimes when you go to your stories – Something pops up over the screen. Of course, and makes it makes it very difficult well, to I, see. Before the show, I actually go through all the screens and click through the. <laughs> yeah, I normally do that myself, but for some reason or another, this one and it came up. And interestingly enough, it came up with Bit Defender, um, <laughs> you know, trying to get you to allow 
uh, non-privacy things. But anyway, you want to protect your data, and that's extremely important. And there are companies that will give you... Wait, Mark, we're talking about the NASA. Okay, so NASA landed on the moon. Oh, did I skip one? Yes. I might have done that. Uh, And a company called Intuitive Machines put this all together, the uh, Odysseus Lunar Lander. Right. And it partnered with NASA, and NASA gave them lots more money than any of us will ever see. And SpaceX supplied the Falcon Falcon 9 uh, booster to send mm-hmm. it up. So this is very cool. And their job was to bring a bunch of equipment to the surface of, of the moon. Right. And the instruments will prepare us for future human exploration of the moon under Artemis. Nice. And obviously NASA's Artemis project uh, the whole point was to advance moon research and eventually establish a sustainable presence with the ultimate goal of preparing for trips to Mars, which I frankly don't think Mar- I'm Mars ever going to see. Yeah. Ultimate goal of preparing for trips to, to Mars. Mars. Hmm. So, which I don't think I'm ever going to see. And I did get an invitation because I'm part of NASA Social right. and uh, to go to a launch at Kennedy Space Center. And I, I'm writing a book right now. I know it sounds fabulous, right? But the government doesn't pay expenses. <laughs> You're right. But um, I'm waiting for them to have another one at uh, in Houston. Then, then maybe I'll go because that's not so far away. I was thinking of buying a condo on the moon because, yeah. you know, this is probably the time to do that because mm-hmm. we're getting closer to, you know, human landing on the moon. There I was mean, a TV show about Astro. that. Yeah. But anyway, so, I was watching the landing live, and it was amazing. It was streamed on Twitter. It was stream, streamed on the NASA website. It was live streamed on YouTube. It was live streamed all over the internet, and they had millions and millions of viewers. And that how spectacular was that? Yeah, that's great. Interestingly, I, I had two different feeds. One feed cut away from the control room. And you know how they have people doing color on the, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it switches to people doing color. And I say to my husband, something's wrong. Something's definitely wrong. It was when they were landing and they were using a laser to adjust the ship and do a soft landing. Okay. The lasers, remember that, how important it was. Right. Well, seems the lasers didn't work. Then now when you're watching the thing, they don't say any of this. But you could just kind of tell by the attitude of the people in the room because we one screen I had the control room and they were very busy. Mm-hmm. They were way too busy. So what the deal was is there were lasers designed to guide the spacecraft to a flat, safe spot for landing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. Yep, that's a good idea. But unfortunately, it didn't work. That is unfortunate. Um, very unfortunate. <laughs> um, so what really happened? They did a last-minute repair on the, uh, before, the night before the moon landing was scheduled. Mm-hmm. Intuitive machines operators were troubleshooting a different, much smaller problem. And then they realized their nav lasers weren't firing. 
So they fixed him. Okay. Mm-hmm. It probably five minutes to landing, they realized the lasers weren't working because the guys who had worked on it had forgotten to turn the switch back on. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, must be in the on position for it to work. <laughs> so during the landing sequence, they realized the spacecraft was passing too close for comfort to the lunar south pole. Now, if you were watching, all of a sudden, Odysseus is taking another orbit around the moon, and I'm going, mm, something ain't right. Something no, they were right in line for landing, and I was right. Yeah, that was the thing. They had to go around the moon again. The lasers did not switch on. The they had like a physical switch, kind of like an on-off switch. Well, yeah, it didn't. It disabled the laser rangefinders, and what they ended up doing was a brilliant thing. One of the experiments on board the lander was a test of a navigation system for NASA. So, but it, you know, it's in a box and it's in the, so what they did, and this was just genius. You know, they all run down the hall and they get together with the NASA people and say, well, what can we do? Uh, So what they decided to do was reprogram the lander's navigation system to use lasers from the experimental NASA technology as a makeshift rangefinder. And it worked. How brilliant that, you know, it, all those shows that we see about people on the moon, you know, or people in NASA, um, it was exactly the way it was. So the controllers moved the spacecraft into a different orbit and pushed back the landing by about 45 minutes. They uploaded a software patch, which worked, unlike (laughs) AT&T. Yeah, exactly. And gave the new instructions. Now, once they do that, because we could hear the voices, but, you know, obviously not all the words come across the public stream. Right. There's no pictures. Now, supposedly, what, in 72, when we landed, we had pictures immediately. Right? Yes. There were no no pictures. Hmm. And people on Twitter are going, uh, pictures or it didn't happen. And I agree yeah, well, with right. them. Right? As the moon I mean, landing, which never right. actually happened. Right. Well, that's another long story. But yeah. the point is, no pictures. Hmm. Finally, around, I guess, midnight, I'm reading, and the New York Times had this really crummy, fuzzy, black and white picture of a moon crater black and white. And I'm saying, what the heck is this? We, this isn't even as good a quality as we had in 1972. So when they were talking about having problem with lasers, I told my husband, I think it fell over. I don't think it's sitting on the four feet and it's laying sideways. Hmm. That's why they can't take the pictures. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it fell down. It fell over. So it's sitting on the moon on its side right now, uh, possibly leaning on a rock or a slope, oh, God. Um, because it was able to take that picture below it. And the right. reason it was so fuzzy was because it was too close to the crater. Yeah. Wow. So a brilliant save by NASA and and um, 
intuitive machines. They did mm-hmm. great work. They saved it. At least it is on the moon, and that was the goal. NASA paid for it to get to the moon, and it worked. All right. Well, that's good to know. Glad to hear this. Hey, by the way, explain this to me, because I don't keep cameras in my house, right? I do have, um, you know, the Amazon uh, Echo that we have in the house, and we have the Google device, but no cameras like that other than the front door. This morning, I opened a vitamin supplement, magnesium vitamin supplement. And I was just looking to see how many I had in there. That exact thing just showed up on my screen. Could be coincidental. It's not. Let me just tell you. I found this also. It just happened last night. Your phone, all your devices are always listening. Well, but I didn't even speak. There was no language. You have a camera. Yep. And this is why Mark Zuckerberg keeps a Band-Aid over his camera. Right. You can buy nice little camera shutters. It's a shutter that opens and closes like a window shutter. Yep. On Amazon for next to nothing. I recommend you do it if this is a problem for you. Really crazy. Really crazy stuff. That's exactly what happened. And it has happened to me and it has happened to so many people. It's not your imagination, folks. You are being monitored, and there's no way, if you want Siri to work on an iPhone, right? if you want uh, your Android phone to have the information that you're going to say, you know, hey, Google, do you know, can you tell me, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, yeah. it's always listening. Even right. So that's it. Speaking yeah. of Google. Yeah, Google Pay is officially ending its uh, Google Pay app. They apparently they switched to uh, Google Wallet. Now I use the equivalent on the iPhone, which is the wallet on the Apple Wallet. Uh, but in 22, Google Wallet apparently got replaced uh, replaced Google Pay as the main tap and go feature, and they are discontinuing it as of June 4th of this year. Now you're saying uh, Google. Um, there was another article that. Ooh, Samsung had the same story. They're discontinuing it too. And I think it's a good idea. I think it's kind of redundant to have both. Don't you? Oh, yeah. I don't I don't see the big reason for it. I mean, I use Google, not Google Wallet. I use Apple Wallet all the time. Right. Yeah. And I assume in Google Wallet, does it add your like play tickets and your Yeah, driver's license. Yeah, yeah all that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, same so thing. Same thing as as uh, iPhone. Yep. yep uh, they yep. say that Google states that Google Wallet is used five more times than Google Pay app. Right. Uh, okay. So again, no no particular reason to have a second one unless you happen to have liked using it and now you're angry about it and there will be people that don't want to switch over. And everybody uh, does it, get angry at just well, about yeah. everything these days. <laughs> yeah. You can still apparently view and uh, transfer your bank balances till the cutoff point, uh, which you know includes transferring it over to your bank account. But at the cutoff point, you can only transfer balances to bank accounts through the Google Pay website. Woo! Uh, <laughs> and you won't be able to send, receive, or request money from anybody through the app after June 4th. So be prepared. You heard That's it here. That's just fine. Yeah. Good Good for me. By the way, I wanted to add one thing to our early story about AT&T. Yeah. I did read a story about travelers at an airport mm-hmm. who could not get up their boarding passes on their phone. Oh, interesting. As you know, as they went on the plane because AT&T was down. Oh, which, yeah, that's a problem. Which tip from Marsha 
and I've been saying this also for years, always take a screenshot when you first get your boarding pass. Great idea. Just so you know, the QR code does change as you travel through the airport. And I'm not saying they're monitoring you. I'm not saying no, it, but it do does that. change. But as long as you have that and always take a screenshot of the initial email that you got that has your reservation number. Yeah, very good idea. That reservation number that you get from the airline, that's also the only way if you didn't get credited miles that you can get the miles credited to your account. And if you need a refund or you you have a problem, if you don't have your reservation number, that's their out not to pay you. So yeah. always save that email, screenshot it, keep it somewhere. That's very important. Put it in okay. your Google wallet. <laughs> yeah, I, that's very interesting, very tough. Uh, all right, you found a story. This <laughs> you got to love this. Uh, Eric Hanna has to honor a refund because their chatbot made one up. I love this. So we know that the chatbots that are being used tend to have imagination, <laughs> mainly because chatbots are trained by the input they get. And it goes to machine learning and gives it context. It gives it new words to use. So one of the things we talk about in the Twitter customer service chat is that you really have to be sure it's trained properly before you launch it <laughs> officially. Right. Well, it seems that Air Canada decided to launch one in their customer service area. And this poor man, um, his grandmother died. He went to the Air Canada website to book a flight. And he didn't know if there were bereavement rates, which just, you know, some airlines have, some airlines don't. And interestingly, on some airlines, it's more expensive because I've had to go through this. The chatbot provided inaccurate information, encouraging the guy to book a flight and then request a refund within 90 days, which sounds legit, right? Mm -hmm. Well, in reality, Air Canada's policy says the airline will not provide refunds for bereavement travel after the flight is booked. That's their official policy. So basically, the AI just made up something. <laughs> because it had to answer. And the guy, you know, he smartly screenshotted everything and requested a refund, but was blown away because he didn't get paid. And he fought them. So Air Canada says, okay, let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to update our chat bot to make things right and give you a $200 coupon to use on a future flight. Great. Wonderful. So surprisingly, the guy was unhappy. Yeah, and you think? he filed a small claims complaint in Canada's Civil Resolution Tribunal. So according to Air Canada, the guy should have never trusted the chatbot and the airline should not be liable for chatbots misleading information because the chatbot is a separate legal entity right. that is responsible for its own actions. So sue yeah. the chatbot, you know. You know, as an add-on <laughs> to that story, it's very interesting. I, I, you might have seen this yesterday. Uh, Tyler Perry, who is a very well-known director, producer, actor, 
multi-gazillionaire. And he was going to put $800 million into a studio expansion in his studio. But apparently he had a meeting to understand Sora, which is an open AI text-to-video model. Right. And he said, wait a minute, I was going to build 12 sound stages. Now all I have to do is if I want to be in the middle of Colorado, I type it into a computer and I don't have to build a set. It's right there. And he said mm-hmm. he was staggered by mm-hmm. the ability to for AI to produce, you know, you want Jennifer Aniston in your movie? Suddenly she's an AI image. Now you'd have to have her permission, obviously. But uh, but but he also or expressed not, concern. And then face the consequences. Well, yes. <laughs> and he uh, rightfully so said he is concerned. It is so good that he's concerned about all the, the crew. You know, we don't need this kind of crew anymore. We don't need construction sites. We don't need this. So he's, you know, he's kind of in between. What do we do now? We got to watch this thing. Because while I like not having to spend $800 million dollars, um, it's a spectacular, according to him. And I saw some of the images. They, I don't know. They're fabulous. You couldn't tell the difference. No, you could not. Absolutely no. could not tell the difference in whether it was a real person, a real set. And I mean, in the old days of movies, they used to use, what were they called? Those where you saw the background. It wasn't real. It was a oh, green gosh, screen. What was it? What green was green screen? Green. No, not green screen where they painted behind the matte you know, like, paintings. Yeah, they were behind, you know, you saw the Matt mountains painting. behind you. Yeah, and I, there are some beautiful ones on display. They have some at Paramount and they have some I've seen at Universal. Right. They're, they're just exquisite. I mean, they are paintings and they are almost life size. There's one at Universal that's an ocean that they have a giant pool in front of that they fill with water. And you can shoot, put a boat in there, and all of a sudden you're on the ocean. Yeah, that well, yeah, that's green screen. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, Superman, they had a almost like a billboard of the sky, and they used to shoot, shoot Superman flying over this background, which was just a painting of the sky. And you know, now we've come a little bit farther along the way, but it's it's frightening. I well, mean, I, what we're I recently saw a video of Jim Caviezel, who's going to be playing Superman. Yeah, uh, like in him. in the new movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, he's great. And th- it was a picture of him suspended by the wires, mm-hmm. flying and tilting his hands in front of him, like flying. I'm Superman, and it was in front of a green screen. The technology that we have right now is imperceptible, but right. when it comes to creativity, I still think. And if you look at the Academy Awards. Those who go the extra mile and actually do it right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk about the Rust movie, which is famous for another reason, but that's shot in an old Western town. They found an old Western town, which frankly was probably cheaper than using AI. Yeah, it might uh, be. Yeah. You know, um, there still needs to be the human creativity. And until we can input, I'm very much into AI. This is something yeah. I'm studying and I'm working on. Oh, yeah, it's um, amazing. But the human creativity, just like the Air Canada thing, if a human had just thought to ask a question or they had trained it better, without human input, this stuff is going to be shallow. And I mean, for the Barbie movie, they actually built those sets. I don't know that it would have looked as fantastic. Yeah. 
It's uh, it's pretty uh, staggering what you see. You know, for years, graphics in, in movies and in, you know, the Marvel Universe is a good example, had these spectacular scenes done by some sort of graphic design. AI has gone way farther than that. Now, like as we're saying, you just, you can't tell the difference. Yeah, but the problem is AI still is fanciful. It comes up with things that don't exist. Right. Exactly. Like maybe they'll be having somebody flying in Florida and they'll have a flock of geese because it says right. make a make a bunch of a flock of birds fly in the background. Yeah, exactly. So instead of seagulls, it'll be geese and geese aren't in Florida. So the training, this is all very early stage. And frankly, I have one computer that has Windows 11. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft is trying to pimp me into allow into allowing their yeah, AI. I had that this morning, and I yep. won't do it. I just won't do it because once you give it access to your entire computer, it has access to your entire computer. Yeah, so they say <laughs> that it just, and they may say it doesn't, but it does. We know this. We've been in tech long enough, and until things are proven. I don't I don't want to sacrifice my family's privacy or my privacy right for an experiment. So you can if you want to use AI, you can go to the ChatGPT website and use it to your heart's content and close the window and you're done. So my advice. Okay. Hey, th- this is terrible. Did you hear the news? <laughs> Gmail's going away. I know. So this was circulating on the internet. And, I mean, the the kids' hairs were, you know, on, heads were on fire. Oh, no, this is insane. This is insane. I hate this company. You're seeing posts like that. And so when I saw it, I said, this doesn't make sense. It was a decision by Google that they, they had faked a web page that said that Google was discontinuing Gmail as of August 1st, 2024. And Gmail will no longer support sending, receiving, or storing emails. So, I mean, the whole thought, what am I going to do with all those emails? I need all this data. I I need this. So, bottom line, I looked into it. And I posted the tweet that everybody was going crazy about. And I said, Gmail discontinued the HTML-only version of its service as of January of 24. Mm-hmm. Standard Gmail works just fine. This is a stupid hoax. And indeed it was. Do you remember in the old days, if you loaded Gmail on a computer, sometimes you'd see something in the lower right-hand corner that says, you know, if you're not getting images and stuff from your email, click here to get the HTML version. And it was there, and it's gone now, and so what? And so don't get crazy about internet rumors until you've researched it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) – I find it hard to believe, although it may happen one day, that we actually will uh, eliminate Gmail to something better. But Gmail is so universally used by all of us that I just can't imagine that just suddenly disappearing. Um. Let, let's let's do these couple of things. Hey, you folks don't mind. We we use a couple of extra minutes here because we have a couple of really good stories that I want to share with you. Is that okay with you, Mark? 
Yeah, go ahead, of course. Okay. For those of you who have children, or for those of you who don't read very well, this is amazing. It's called Microsoft Reading Coach. This is an AI tool that they have tested in schools here in Los Angeles, and it teaches the children in the school to read better. Uh, It's a tool. It's available on the web. Um, Starts by asking to pick a main character, a setting, and a reading level. It generates a custom story, and then the student is required to read it, like the microphone's always listening. After they're done, it scores proficiency instantly, highlights words they had trouble with, and then builds those words into additional practice reading. I mean, this is genius. They have found that students' reading proficiency has moved up massively. Yeah, that's now, they, they tested it with a fifth grade class. And for any of you who are interested in trying it or doing it with your children, it is from Microsoft and it's called the Microsoft Reading Coach. And it's available at coach.microsoft.com. All right. Uh, real quick, uh, if you want your personal data removal services, uh, you know, that uh, when you enter your information around the web, that what they call them data aggregators, gather it up and sell it. So PC Magazine looked up some of the best ones, and they gave some recommendations. Uh, Optory, which costs you 100 bucks per year. Privacy B, uh, don't have a price on that. And IDX Complete, which is a lot more expensive, $355 a year. But the idea being that they will help you remove references to you and there's a number of other ones that you can google those were the top ones well just Uh, so you know i use one of the ones on the pc magazine list called delete me i've been using it for seven years now about that a number of times um 129 per year 20 percent off with the code pc mag at delete me and it's the best for masking personal data And it trolls the internet constantly looking for, you have to give it your information. Right. But it's a small company. They do a good job. And like I said, I've been using them for years. Yeah, you've been talking about it for a long time. Definitely worth the money. All right. Let's do quickly. It is now the time of the show where we search the planets, the universe, and Amazon for the buy of the week. The buy Buy of of the the week. week. There we go. The buy of the week. Thank you. Uh, TVs have gotten so inexpensive through the last five years. You know, the big screen TVs were 4000 5000 10000 20000 Well, guess what? Now, if you go to Amazon, you can buy the Amazon Fire TV. It's a 65%, 65 inches rather, a QLED Series 4K UHD Smart TV. comes with Dolby Vision IQ Fire TV. And it's uh, they had 3,000 reviews, which is sufficient enough to actually be real. Uh, four out of five stars on this. It normally sells for $799.99. You can get it on sale today for $549. So a 31% off of its price. And it has you know pretty much everything you'd want in a TV, adaptive brightness, of uh, fire TV ambient experience, turn your TV into a, t- you know, a canvas, a picture, uh, streaming over one and a half million movies. And How such. much and anyway, was this again? 
uh, $549.99, marked down from $799, and it's a 65-inch TV. That is a honking big TV. <laughs> Thank you very much, studio audience. We're, and just like Oprah, you get a TV, and you get a TV, and you get a TV. But so just you- remember, when you buy a smart TV, you are sharing your information with a data collector. Right. And it's always listening if it has a voice command. Yep. And if it has a camera attached so that you can look at your friends and make calls over it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's always put a shutter over that camera. Yeah, you bet. We have so anyway, to available today at Amazon. It's the Fire TV Omni QLED series available on Amazon today for five forty nine ninety nine free delivery. Cool. Uh, show and that is our buy of the week. Uh, talk. Should we talk some a little bit movies before we go? Well, we always have to give our latest streaming info. We get our streaming info from blog.realgood.com. Yep. And they do the reviews of most watched every week. So this would be February fifteenth through February twenty first, twenty twenty four. All right. You Number do one, movies. Oppenheimer. Go which was a very, very good and very, very long movie, about three and a half hours, but very good. Uh, the Holdovers, I've talked about it before, excellent movie with Paul Giamatti. That's about people life. who stay at a university over Christmas, right? Yeah, they, he stays with a kid, and it's a right. you know kind of a touching story between the two. Uh, number three, Past Lives, don't know the movie. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, again, about a three, three and a half hour movie, which was excellent. Um then you've got Upgraded, which is a cute film. It's kind of a rom-com on Prime. I watched it. It was cute. Yeah, you June, know, I've been I going haven't... back and forth on watching Upgraded. Cause it's cute. It's worth cute. It's very it's cute. It's cute if you want yeah. cute. If you need a palate cleanser after watching Society of the Snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a fun movie to watch. Uh, Dune, which I have not watched uh, on Netflix, although I understand it's quite good. Uh, you you just talked about Society of the Snow. Love Mission it. It's Im- a spectacular film. Uh, yeah, you said that was great. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, uh, Bottoms. I'm not 100% sure what Bottoms. I don't even want to ask. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a bunch of cute young girls. I don't know what it is. I don't want to uh, know. Yeah, and, and Players, which also I have not seen. Hmm. Uh, what do you got in TV? Okay, TV shows. Yeah, you know, I really prefer a movie these days. I want to yeah. watch it, get it done, and be happy. Yep. But number one is True Detective Night Country. I'm not a True Detective fan, but yeah, I know I a lot I of tried. you are. I haven't been able to get into it yet. A lot of you are. But it's number one, and it's yep. on Max. Yep. Number two is a new one on the list called Resident Alien on Peacock. Okay. I'm not sure, but I'll bet you it's about an alien. <laughs> and they live somewhere home. so It's close to us, right in the neighborhood. To, yeah, they're residents. Yeah. Number three, I am over the moon about, and that is Tracker. Yeah, I really like it too. Tracker premiered right after the Super Bowl, and I love the actor that's in it. Yeah, uh, Justin Hartley, he's great. He the plots is fabulous. Number four is, oh, and that's at Paramount Plus. Number four is The Tourist. But by the way, Tracker you can also watch, I believe, on CBS. Yeah, it's on CBS. It's yeah. a network show. Uh, the Tourist which I'm not real sure of. I don't know. And that's Netflix. It. Number five is One Day. Yep, I'm watching it. And that's on Netflix. What's it about? 
Don't know. Don't know anything about you it. You said you're watching it. No, I said I have not watched it. Oh, okay. Haven't Masters of the Air. That looks O-M-G. good, and I'll probably watch it. OMG. We started watching it. I think we have one episode to go. Oh, it's that it good, huh? It is spectacular. Now, you've seen war movies over the years. and, and Yeah. I'm not a big war movie fan. Okay. But this one was the first one that actually made me understand what it was like to be in one of those crazy bombers during wow. World War II. Okay, I'll watch the, it. The interior and the emotional content, Masters of the Air, is spectacular. Interesting. I think it's six episodes, and it's on Apple TV. Okay. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which a lot of people like. I haven't gotten to it yet. I haven't seen it. I like the movie. haven't watched the series. Number eight is Halo. Yep. Uh, number nine on Hulu is Feud, Capote and the Swans. Yep. Which Truman Capote was a unique character in our creative country yeah, he history. Really was. And it has episodes about the feud between um, um, Betty, Betty Davis and, and Joan, Joan Crawford. Crawford. Yeah. yeah. And then Young Sheldon, oh my goodness, I love it. It's back. It's great, Jim. Last and season. this will be the last season yeah. because he's gotten to, he's he's almost as tall as real Sheldon. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to say it was funny. I noticed that the other day, and then I thought to myself, well, that's interesting. Except Sheldon is like seven foot two in Big yeah. Bang Theory. Well, look at the opening credits yeah, because now they separate him from the rest of the family, so he doesn't look as he tall. tall. Yeah, he is tall. That's another thing you notice if you watch Expats and you're crazy like me. You'll see that. Um, Nicole Kidman, who is super tall. Yeah. They never shoot, uh, show her close to anybody because huh. otherwise she's towering over them. Yeah. Pretty So, lady. you know, it's, uh, okay. There's, there's a lot on TV and a lot of fun to be had. So, and I'm not getting our music up. No so, music? As, there ah, it is. There we go. There hey, listen, is. everybody. Thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate your being here. Appreciate the show. And tell your friends because we want to hear you and we want to see you. Yeah, Thanks. we are one of the longest running podcasts on the internet. That I know, is true. We're not, still not famous. What can we say? Yeah, almost famous. Please tell your friends. Please subscribe. Please like and share. Have a great week. And see you next week with more tech. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Produced by Brain Food Radio Syndication, global food for thought.